is no remedy in heaven or on earth like the one we are going to talk about and celebrate this morning. There's no source of healing for the proud, self-righteous, and miserable hypocrite like what we'll talk about. For the ever-striving but ever-failing legalists, or for the sin-plagued, enslaved to habits, addictions, and destructive behaviors, or codependent. For the person who wrestles daily, if not hourly, with persistent guilt. There is no cure like this one that heals the brokenhearted, secures the insecure, befriends the lonely, softens the hardened heart, puts back together the devastated, and brings peace where there was once no peace, and where else, where no other peace could be found. There is not a drug or counsel or therapy that can produce results like this to heal the depressed and help sustain grace and depression, anxiety, and despondency. There's no friend, there's no counselor, there's no drink or drug or food or relationship, active pleasure, a hobby, exercise, or activity that can bring what this cordial of life can bring. Every earthly comfort, whether it be the wealth of Donald Trump or the popularity of our latest hero or media star, is vanity and complete nothingness without this central and transforming gift. This gift, indeed, this is a gift. It cannot be bought by you or by me, but it was purchased a long time ago by the infinite cost of another and is given to us freely. That is why it's called grace. The conditions to receive this gift are great and small. Small in that we need not work or strive or earn or merit or pay for this gift. It is given. It is a gift. However, our hearts must turn away from our own self-destructing righteousness, our own sinfulness, and humbly look to be a recipient and receive this gift. This gift I'm speaking of is the gospel. There is one gospel. All other counterfeit gospels actually deliver the opposite of what they promise. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is our source of life, our peace, our mercy, our joy, our pleasure, our hope, our gratitude, our relationship, our freedom, our comfort, our security. The gospel is not just the ABCs of the Christian life. It is the A through Z of the Christian life. It is not just the front door of how you get in with God. It is the front door and the front hall and the living room, the bedroom, the basement, the entire house of the Christian life. And it is richly furnished. And yet too often we leave everything in boxes and enjoy so little of our great salvation. God has gathered us here together this morning to better understand this great gospel that transforms everything. And I pray that he would help us this morning. God, would you do that in this service, in me, through the word, through baptism, through song sung. Help them not just to be words that are said and sung, but believed and loved. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning and welcome to Faith Baptist Church. We're really glad you're here. If, if you're visiting because you're coming to see someone baptized, or you're visiting because you're checking out Faith Baptist Church, or you, you're looking for truth, 
or you've been here time and time again and you're a member, welcome. We're going to worship Christ Jesus our Lord this morning and we welcome you to join with us. If you're a visitor and you've never, if we don't know who you are, we'd love to get to know who you are. One of the ways for us to do that, I'd love to send you a card and write you a note and let you let you get to know you better, but would you fill out one of those orange cards that is in, in front of you and should be in one of the seats there and put in the offering or, or give it to one of the ushers afterwards? That would be a help to us. Uh, there are several announcements. I'm going to just fly through them. They're going to come up on the slides. Um, this one isn't on the slides, but just to make a note, the, the ladies dine out didn't happen Tuesday because of the snow. They're going to meet this Tuesday at the Fenton House at 6 o'clock. And so th- that's the change of plans. That's this week. Um, there is a baby shower coming up on March 5th. It's hard to believe that March is almost here before you know it. Uh, March 5th for Zach and Laura Jacobs is actually for Laura Jacobs, not for Zach. And, and I asked Julie, I said, do, I, do, do guys come to this? We don't come to this, do we? No. It's, it's for ladies. Um, and, and you may have not met Zach and Laura, or Laura specifically, and that's okay. This is a great way to get to know them. They're in, newer to this church. They are in the membership class, and they've moved over from the western part of the state. Great couple. Welcome them into the church by coming to the shower. They're having their first baby, and it's coming in April. And pray for them, and come to the shower 11.30 on Saturday the 5th. Okay, the sledding is on, believe it or not. I did not think it would happen, but the sledding is on this Wednesday night. You ha- Okay, families of teens, teens, you need to be here before 6.30, because I've been told they're leaving at 6.30. They need to go so that they can take up, use the time, uh, and not just be sitting here waiting for everybody. So 6.30, they're leaving. So plan on being here at 6.15. Um, and, and by the way, for everyone else, 6.45, Wednesday gathering. 6.30 is Kids Club um, for elementary kids. So that's this Wednesday. Yes, Brad. Have teams bring their sleds? Okay, bring your sleds. Is it slides, tubes, or whatever? Okay, great. So bring bring your sleds uh, and your sliding apparatuses. That's this Wednesday. Uh, if you've experienced the drama of marriage um, or want to, would you come this <laughs> March 12th? March 12th, if you, hopefully you came in and received a card like this. We are having a marriage event March 12th. I want you to invite you to that. I'll be the main speaker for that. We are gonna we are gonna have an enjoyable time from about 1:30 to 5. We're gonna be we're gonna have a seminar on on the drama of marriage. What does God say about the characters of marriage of husband and wife? What that drama or that theater? What what is that? What message does God portray through marriage? And how does that impact how we to, are to live our lives? And so we're going to look at that um, from 1.30 to 5, and then at 5 o'clock we're going to go to the Italia Gardens. It's $50 per couple, or if you come as a single, you're sure welcome to come. We'd love to have you come. That's $30. You will receive a book that, that includes the meal, and, and I, I do think it will be a really good time. I hope we have a, a, a good group of you coming. So that's coming March 12th. 
sign up. We need you to take these sheets. Please do this. Do not delay. This is your registration. So on the back, fill it out, and either you can put it in the offering, give it to an usher, give it to me, um, or bring it to that table. Um, I think Brent and Jessica will be at that table that's by the doors. Uh, talk about it as well. We are having on February 19th, which is this Friday night at 7 o'clock, a movie night. So come, we've been talking about that. Now for the, the fighter verse. It's a great verse. David fled and was come, came to the Philistine to Gath, and he was afraid, and yet he wrote this psalm. Psalm 56, 3 and 4. Does somebody have our fighter verse? We, that would say it for us this morning. Any bold, brave soul. I could call on a few people, but back there? No? Okay. We're going to say it together. Let's read it together. Psalm 56, 3 and 4. Let's read it. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise. In God I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? Amen. I'm going to invite the four individuals. We're going to autocrat. You doing that, Len? There's always the person in the back. Um, Can I I get the four people that are getting baptized to come on up here and stand right on my side? Everyone can see them. We have Jake and Alex and Riker and Layla. All four of these young people have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, they've been taught it for quite a while in different ways. And all four of them have received Jesus. They have received him by faith and asked Jesus to save them and to wash away their sins. They're going to share a little bit about that at the end of the service when they get baptized. But they are coming here and they're saying, I want to obey Jesus. Jesus said that we are to be baptized. And I want to, I want to publicly proclaim what God has done in baptism. I've asked these four I've asked these guys these questions, and their baptism is testifying that they believe this. These are the these are the ten questions that I want I ask them, and I'll ask all of them. You can answer at the very end. I'll read all of them, but this is what they have confessed: Do you believe you're a sinner, and do you believe that your sins are so serious that they must be punished by death, and do you believe that because of this you need someone to save you? And do you believe that Jesus is God? And do you believe that because Jesus is God, He is the only one who can save you from your sins? And do you believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sins? And do you believe that He rose from the dead? And do you believe that you are forgiven and saved from your sins only through faith in Jesus, who He is and what He's done? And do you have faith in Jesus? And are you turning away from your and fighting against your sins by faith? With God's help. And do you believe that the devil is your enemy? And do you believe that you are to love God more than anything on earth? And lastly, do you understand that you are now to follow Jesus by faith with God's help? Do you agree with these statements? Praise God. And they're going to they're gonna confess that publicly by being baptized at the end of this service. And so, you can have a seat. Thank you. Let's pray. 
God, as we go into song, we ask that you would help us to mean what we sing and to be changed by through what we sing. God, be, meet us in the Word. Meet us even as we see the picture of what you did for us in baptism in a little while. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. morning, and that, do we have sound? Testing. You can turn to, would you turn with me to Colossians chapter 1? Colossians chapter 1. Is that mic working? Okay, good. Colossians 1 verse 21 through 23 is our text. Before we go there, I want to talk to you about a familiar time of, as a teenager. I remember growing up, going off to the twin cities of Minneapolis, St. Paul. I remember that was a big deal, and I remember it was a big, big city. Growing up in Dunbar, Wisconsin, I mean, it, Dunbar, made Iron Mountain look like a metropolis, Iron Mountain, Michigan, of upper peninsula of Michigan. I grew up in a small town, and I'd go to Minneapolis, and I remember a time when I went with my parents to the Mall of America. Have you ever been to the Mall of America? Some of you. Okay, the Mall of America is mega. It is huge. It is the mall of all malls. And I remember, that's probably about 14 or 15, and my parents said, you know, you can go off, you're old enough, I want you to meet here at Barnes & Noble or wherever it was, we'll meet here at 4 o'clock, you go off and enjoy the stores that you like to go. And that way I didn't have to follow my mom into all the department stores. And so I would go off and I would look at different things, and I remember feeling overwhelmed by the bigness of this mall, and I mean, there are stories upon stories and, and wings and halls and department stores. And I, and I remember coming to the feeling of, where am I? And then I would come to that section of the mall that they had them every once in a while. And they had these big signs, and it was a map. And that map could be very overwhelming until you saw the very spot that you were looking for, that dot on the map. That said what? You are here. Yes. You are here. And I'd go, ah, now I can find my way. Now I can find where I am to go. We come to the part in this letter of, of Colossians, and if you're new to us, we are going section by section, paragraph by paragraph, through Paul's letter the Colossians in the New Testament. And we come to this part of the letter where Paul says, and by the way, in human history, and in general, you want to know where you are? You're right here. And it's important for you to know you're right here, because knowing you're right here will make an impact on how you live out your life. And so let's look at where we are, or really where we may be. Because some of you might be seeking God right now in a, in a way that says, I'm not sure if I have this thing called everlasting life or 
or if I've been saved and rescued from my sins. I'm so glad you're here. This is this is where God brings people, and their hearts are transformed. There are many in this room who are now Christians who are at a can say, "I remember how this all took place," and they're where you are. And so let's listen and see what Paul has to say to this church almost two thousand years ago. This is where they were. Verse twenty-one, and you who were once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death. And who the he is? It's Jesus. By his death is Jesus' death. In order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Lord, I pray that this morning you would work through your word and you would help us. I admit that I cannot do this apart from your strength. And we cannot be attentive to your word and be hearers so that we would be changed apart from your help. So we ask it, and I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So what we've been seeing in this pack, in this book so far is that Paul gets right to it and he says, I want to thank you, church. I want to thank, I, he says, I want to thank God for what he's doing in you. And what he's doing in you, this church, this, this church in Colossae that had received the word, he said, it is, you have become a type of people that are just so kind and loving to each other. You, you used to be something different, but God changed you. You started loving people. You were, you were showing kindness and mercy to one another. And it was because you had a hope. You believed that something was promised you would change everything. You received a hope of an inheritance that would never be taken away from you. You received the forgiveness of your sins, and you heard it through a message called the gospel. The gospel is good news. It is the message that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. It is The gospel is the news that the, the God of the Old Testament... The God of Israel is now the Savior of the entire world. He made the world, and He is saving everyone who believes in a Jewish Messiah named Jesus, who literally came, who came and died on a Roman cross. And in dying on the Roman cross, He he paid for the sins of every single person that would receive Him as their sacrifice, received that gift of salvation. And that message went out to the entire city, and it went through a messenger named Epaphras. And Paul is saying, now, I pray, I pray probably every day that that truth that has sunk in and what God is doing in the world will just richly grow, will richly grow up in you, that you will grow up. And what we find, if you were to skip to the second chapter of Colossians, we get probably at the best place that we get is probably the thesis of this letter. And in chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, 
Paul says, as you've received Christ, now you've received him, you believe that message, now I want you to walk in him, or I want you to live it out in all of your life. And then he says, I want you to do it like a tree would be. You'd just be so established and built up. Like now he says, established and rooted, rooted and established, and then built up like a foundation of a building so that you would spread out and you would live lives full of gratitude. Gratitude because you received a gift that is so amazing. So now as you receive Christ, your Lord, and we saw last week, the object of our hope is none other than the creator of the universe, the supreme Lord of the world, the one who holds everything together by the word of his power, who is a sufficient Savior. We saw that he is the one that did it for us. He runs and he did the victory for us and we are rescued by him. And so Paul's saying, that is your king. That is your hope. Don't don't turn away from it because as we get through this letter, we're going to start to see that Paul's actually addressing a problem that started to creep in. And it's a problem that can creep into any church. It can be a problem that can creep into every family. It, it creeps into our bookstores. It creeps into through the internet. It creeps into churches and through through the radio. It can creep in all these things. It's a message, whatever that message might be, that would cause us to say, yeah, Jesus is good is important, but I need Jesus and something else to make me truly fulfilled, to truly give me meaning in life. Yes, I need Jesus, but I also need this. And they were saying that, and Paul says, don't believe it for a second. He's called them, there's these plausible arguments that they're bringing, but they will, turn, they will not bring what you think they bring. Stay grounded in Jesus and Jesus alone. And so in verses 21 and 23 that I just read, he now says, I want you to remember where you are, where you were, where you are, what God's doing. Hold fast. And he's going to say, hold fast. He's going to tell us what that holding fast and what that living it out is going to look like in the next couple chapters in this letter. But what I want to do this morning is just to take us through verses 21 through 23, and I want you to see four really important things concerning the location of these Colossians. Four really important things about this location. And they, they really should relate to all of us, either to where you are now or where God would have you to be. God, where you are now or where you got, where you, God would have you to be. Paul is writing to a church that have already received Jesus, and he's going to say to them, I want you to see these four things. One, the Colossians passed. First point is the Colossians passed. And you see that in verse 21. And you who were once, kind of a word we don't use very often, unless maybe you're talking about immigration. Maybe you're talking, you might talk that way. It's a technical term. You were once alienated. Or, or if we're talking science fiction, you were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. He begins by saying, do you remember your past? Paul would say, I remember my past. Do you remember your past? And so, so many of you are in this room would say, I remember my past. Before I received Christ, before I received and was saved and rescued by Christ, my past, Paul says, this is what how it was described. You were alienated. It means you were separated. You were cut off from God's people. 
You, you are a stranger to God's promises. You are hostile in mind. Your entire mind and your workings were actually against God. You, you found excuses to reject God. You, you, you didn't want God's way. In fact, in fact, there are some people who would say, well, I, I thought I wanted to go towards God, but you didn't want God's way for God himself. You may have wanted things that God would offer to you, but you didn't want it because you wanted God more. You didn't want it because you wanted God to receive praise. You wanted it so that you could just have something. And you were hostile in mind. You were away from God. This is, this is the description of every single human being before they knew Christ. They're alienated. They're, they're at war. The word hostile really means we're at war with, with God in our minds. In fact, it's described in Romans chapter 1 so clearly that all, it says in Romans 1.21, although they knew God, this is the description of, of man, that, man and women that turn away from God. They did not honor Him as God or give thanks to God, but they became futile in their thinking. Their foolish hearts were darkened. Their claim to be wise, they became fools, and they exchanged the glory of immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals. That was, he's describing idolatry that took, him, took place. Therefore, God gave them up to their lusts and the impurity of hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies. They served, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creator creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. And the, the, the condition of every single person is they live in a world where God has made them for His image. God made all of us to be bearers of God's image. And we have decided that's not a good plan. I want to be all about me. I want to be all about something else. And I want to get fulfillment, and I want to go after this. And we go after this. And Paul says, that was you. In fact, Paul would say, that was me. And he would say, every single person, that was us. But that's not where the story ends. We know that. But he says, number two, that there is some a new reality. He says, the Colossians, number two, the Colossians present... He says, but now, and now, he has now reconciled in his body by the flesh. Paul says, you were once alienated, but now he has reconciled in his body of the flesh by his death. That is what your condition now is. In our condition now this morning, if you've received Christ Jesus, is I've been reconciled. That's, a, that's another big word. What is, you know what reconciled means? It means what happens when two warring parties, two people who are totally fighting, they come together and either they, they put disagreements aside or that which was causing conflict is removed and no longer are they enemies, but they are side by side, they are friends. And what God did is He took the us and said, you are an enemy. And God came and said, I am going to make you my child. 
I am going to take you, and even though you are against me, I'm going to come and I, in love, mercifully bring you into my family, and I'm going to, and I'm going to change your heart. Like I said, you were made to bear my image. You were meant, made to live for me and to show me off to the world. You were meant to be just like a create. If a creator makes a sculpture, he makes that sculpture to show off the glory. He might show he, he's showing off often the glory of something that he sees. God made it to show off his glory, and so God brings us back and says, "Now I'm going." to make you again. I'm going to make bring you in. Yes, you were going off doing your own thing, but I'm bringing you in now. And Paul says, that was your, that's your condition. You are now reconciled. You're not at war with God anymore. God, and, and how did this happen? It wasn't because you asked, you, you tried to reform your life. It's not because you decided to start, stop drinking or stop, stop doing this. It's not because you started to do these religious practices, and those religious practices made you better. And you prayed all these prayers. No, it's because you came and you received Jesus. And what you received is that what Jesus did on the cross, which is in many ways to us a mystery, what Jesus did on the cross in his body, the body of his flesh, he saved us. He gave us God's righteousness. So God, God is so holy. He, it says that he can, man cannot see God and live. And God's holiness and perfection and justice cannot bear the sinfulness of man. But what Jesus did on his, in his own body on the cross where Jesus really died for us, he gave us the righteousness of God and said, here, not only do I pay for your sins on the cross, not only am I going to take it by actually going to the cross and being your debt payer. You owed a debt to God, I pay it completely. It's paid for. But all that you're supposed to do, here, wear my robe of cleanness. So when God sees you, he doesn't see your sinfulness, he sees my cleanness. That's what Jesus did for us in his body. That's what he did. That's what we symbolize when we have communion. We eat of his of bread that symbolized his body, which was what brought us rec- brought us to God. Nothing else could bring us to God. We all want, even if we don't admit it, human beings want to be reconciled, brought back in alignment to what they were really made for. And that was God. We seek it in diets. We seek it in certain self-help books. We seek it in all types of practices and relationships and all of that. And that reconciliation, that feeling of a fulfillment and identity only comes through what Jesus did on the cross and we receive him. And Paul says, remember. And, and I say to Faith Baptist Church, remember that that happened to you. This week, when you go to work, Remember, you were once this way, but you're not this way anymore. You've been reconciled. You've been brought by the body of Jesus, what he did on the cross. Now, this is the third point. He did it for a reason. He did it for a purpose, and the reason is this. So the third is the Colossians' purpose. The, third, the purpose is in order 
to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before Him. Did you know that God's intention for you, and I, I, most of you probably know this because we need to hear it and remind it, God's intention for each one of us is to be made holy. Wow. God intends to take us who are hostile and enemies of God to make us His family. And not only that, He's starting to breathe His life into us. He's starting to, God is holy. The only place you get holiness is God. And the only place you get true blamelessness and purity is God. And righteousness is God. And Jesus comes in with His body. He makes us part of God. And He starts to not just, so God looks at us and sees robes of righteousness. Just imagine Jesus says, Jesus takes His robe off, goes to the cross, takes our sin, gives us His robe. That robe symbolizes complete purity, perfection, holiness, everything. When God looks at us, He sees Jesus' righteousness and accepts us as His child. But imagine what God is, Jesus is doing is we keep that, we keep that robe on all our life and as we as we grow in the Christian life and walk in Jesus, that robe starts to like, taking the metaphor, it starts to sink into our skin. And it actually starts to change us literally. Not just so that Jesus, God looks at us and says, oh, I see that in some ways you're righteous, but you really, your character isn't different. No, our character starts to change. We actually start to have the love of God in us. We start to actually, as we believe His promises of what He did for us, we we do things out of gratitude. We start to realize that God is... We, and that impacts how we love our wife or love our husband or how we obey our parents or how we treat our people, those at our workplace. It changes everything. How we can forgive. I can forgive because His love is on me and it's just starting to sink in. And God is making me whole. And someday, for every one of you, if you've received Jesus, this is your purpose and this is God's plan and it will happen. He will someday, He will someday present you holy and blameless before God and God will say to you, well done, my good and faithful servant. I accept you Yes, because of what Jesus did. And you are holy and blameless because of Jesus' work on the cross. That is God's plan. And Paul says, Colossians, you're going to live in this world and you're going to have to go on Monday. And Monday gets crazy with all that happens. And you're going to have everybody coming at you and attacking. It won't feel like it felt on Sunday. But remember who you are. You were this. You are this. God's doing this. Don't forget it. Lastly, he says, there is a proving of the reality of this. Now, if you look at verse 23, and if you read it carefully, you might go, boy, it doesn't seem totally certain. doesn't seem totally certain because he says this. If indeed, he says, God will make you holy and blameless. He's doing this to make you holy and blameless and spotless before Him, to present you before Him. If indeed... You continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, in which I, Paul, became a minister. 
It seems like Paul is saying, this is going to happen, but but i got to do something really critical. i got to stay in the faith. And in some ways, he's saying that, but let's, let's stop and ponder this. Paul is not saying that you need to earn this salvation that God has, this hope that God has. He's not saying you earn it by continuing in the faith, by staying steadfast and not giving up, by not shifting from the hope. And if you do that, then you've earned it, and that's what makes you God's child. No. In fact, from what we're going to see throughout Colossians and what we're going to see throughout the Bible is that God does say there is a, by the way, do not turn away from the faith. You have received Christ. Don't run away from it. There are going to be everyone that's going to try to tell you to, to believe something else. Do not. What you believed in, keep believing in it. Yes, you're going to stumble. You're going to sin. But keep believing in Christ. Paul's going to say, he says, and what he does is he says, I think he means the proof of whether this, all this is happening is as you listen to God's promises and you keep in faith. That's the proof of the reality. He's not, the proof of something doesn't make it a reality. It just shows that it really is real. If you've come and been reconciled to God, God will hold you fast, we're just saying. He will hold me fast. For I know my Savior will hold me fast. He will. And the, but do you know what the proof of God holding me fast? What's the proof of me having the robes of righteousness that Christ has put upon me? It's that that proof is starting to sink in and change me. And that yes, I will sin. And yes, I will sometimes doubt. And yes, I will go. But I will listen to these commandments and say, hold fast to the hope firm to the end. Hold fast to Jesus. Why would I run to something else? I, he saved me. He has covered me in His righteousness, and I hold fast to Him. And, and this is what Paul's going to say throughout this. He's saying, as you've received Christ Jesus, so walk in Him. Don't turn away to anything else. Why would you do that? In fact, be so rooted and established, and I'm going to make you like Jesus. And that's what you were meant to be. You were meant for this. You were created so that you would bear, live in a manner worthy of God, bearing fruit, strongly enduring, because God's might is behind you for every good work. For every good work. I want to conclude by an illustration. When we were created by God, we were made in His image, as I said before. We were made separate from His nature. We're not God, but we were made in His image. It even says that in the book of Genesis. You've seen images before. I, I remember as a kid going to the Vietnam Memorial. And having looked upon the statues of the three soldiers. They are made in the image of man, but they are not men. We know that. They're images. They're not men. They're made in the image of men. But they're not men themselves. They're images. Now, we are made in the image of God, and we are not God. But in the new creation, and that's what I'm talking about now, God is in the process of being a new creation. 
In fact, he says it in the verses before. We looked at it a little bit last week, but not in detail. He is the beginning of a new creation. He is the head of the church, the beginning of a new creation. In the new creation, in which Jesus is the firstborn, we are becoming children of God with Now, don't just look like this statue image, but we are actually in his own nature. It's starting to seep in. It's like we are statues, and Jesus is making us real men and women. Or I like how C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity says it this way, the world is the great sculpture shop. We are statues, and there's a rumor going around the shop that some of us are someday going to come to life. And we will be presented blameless and authentic before God someday and enjoy all the benefits that God has for us. This passage calls us to receive this Jesus, to thank God that we've received it, and to keep looking to Him. In fact, the testimony of these four, Jake and Alex and and Layla and Riker, their testimony is as young, either teens or, or elementary kids, they've received Christ. And they are to walk in Him. You are to walk in Jesus. This, this passage talks about you. You were born hostile in mind, alienated from God. You needed to be saved. And Jesus has now res- reconciled you in His body. And he is planning to someday present you before God. You are gonna, these kids, these young people are going to go into water. And when they go down, the symbolism is, is burial. They go underwater. Christ died for us. He was buried for us. He was buried. And just as Jesus rose from the dead, and he came with a new life, a new body. It was a physical body, but it was a glorified body. So... We, by faith in Jesus, by faith in Him, He starts to do that work now. He starts to put that work in us now. And for them, it has begun. This, this baptism is a picture of what has already begun. And God wants us to see that picture and go, that's what God's doing in my life. I want you to see this picture and go, that's what God is doing in my life. Or if you're saying, I don't know if He is, but I want to know. I want to see Him. Let's pray. Father, I pray now as we prepare for this baptism for these four, and I pray that as we worship you and thank you for your goodness, you would you would come. And I pray that if there is some here this morning that have not received you as Christ, and has not received Jesus, and have received the forgiveness of sins, they would do that today. They would not stop seeking until they find peace in you. God, thank you for these four that will now be baptized. I pray that you would help us as we sing and as we worship and as we observe this. God, I pray that you would take the truths of your word and plant it deep in us. Would you make it deep in us and you cause us to believe your promises. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together and sing. Remember what Hebrews 13 tells us. It says, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have with others. And this is our opportunity each week to share what we have, what God has given to us uh, with others.
And uh, so let's pray and ask for God to bless this offering. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now, and we want to offer uh, these gifts. We want to offer of the finances and gifts that you have given to us, whether that's a small gift or much, we give it to you, and we pray that you would use it for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Hello. We're really excited to uh, be able to do this. I've uh, been looking forward to doing things like this for a very long time, because I've been looking forward to being a pastor, so I'm super excited to be up here today. Even more excited to be able to be here to baptize four young people and to see uh, young men come forward and proclaim their faith. And as Daniel had said, and I want to read from Romans 6 here as we, we set the stage here of what this means and why we are going about this. And so in Romans 6, uh, verse 1 through 3, it says, what, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? It says, by no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. And so as we, as we immerse them and we dip them, that is, they are going down, and as we raise them, they are raised with Christ. This is so exciting, and so I, we're gonna, Alex Ball is going to come down and share uh, his testimony of faith. I truly believe that Jesus Christ, my Savior, was sent down to earth to die on the cross to forgive me of my sins. My favorite verse, Romans 8.10, says, But if Christ is in you, then even though you are subject to death by sin, the Spirit gives a life because of righteousness. I want to live my life following the Lord's teachings so that I may be an example of God's power and have eternal life. Ever since I was a little kid, I believed that God and His Son were real. Of course, with some doubt, though. I never showed that I was a Christian in my lifestyle, though. I used to swear, lust, have a dirty mouth. I was very proud. You name it. When I prayed, it was a short prayer which I repeated each night that had no meaning. I used to almost never read the Bible or go to church. I thought it was safe just because I believed that Jesus was real. Then, towards the end of the sixth grade and in the summer, I started to have a growing interest in the truth and I started making some changes in my lifestyle and learning more about the truth. However, I was still the same person. However, towards the end of August of 2014, I accepted Jesus into my life for good, and I was never the same. I started turning away from my sin, and I started reading the Bible and, gave, and gained so much out of the Bible. I started loving and forgiving and not judging so much. I had so much more love. It was amazing. I felt so much love and acceptance from God and I grew closer in a relationship with him every day. My whole life improved. All those years when I thought I was enjoying myself, looking back, I was quite miserable compared to the life that I have now and the new joy I have now in my new life through Jesus Christ. I knew in my heart that I was spiritually born again, 
You may say that people change, but without Jesus, they are still the same. It takes Jesus to completely change someone. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, is a new creature. The old things are passed away. Behold, new things have come. The divinity of Christ, however, was something that I had trouble believing, and it wasn't until really recently that I started to believe that Jesus is God. But after doing some research, I finally came to believe that. Finally, I asked that if anyone here hasn't put their trust in Jesus for their only hope of salvation, that they would do that today, and they would accept them into their heart and turn from their sin. You will never be the same if you do this. You must be born again to enter heaven. something really cool, which is a father baptizing his children. I, I was baptized by my father and my five older siblings, and I know how much it meant to him. So uh, Ethan Levine is going to come down here and uh, baptize two of his children. Good morning. So as we were singing, I realized that uh, this was an opportunity to see God's uh, answers to our prayers. I remember when our children were little babies begging God that he would have mercy on them and save, save them. And uh, so this is an indication. Obviously, we've got a long ways to go, but uh, this is an indication that God is answering prayer. So. Um, and Pastor Daniel indicated that uh, this could potentially happen, that their dad could uh, baptize them. So I tried to get out of it, but there's no talking them out of it. So it is a, uh, it is a tremendous blessing to be able to do this.
bass singer profession of faith Leia, and then baptized you, my daughter. So I got out and went to the sauna, and it was me and my aunt sitting in the sauna. And she looked at me and, at, and asked me a question, have you been saved? I didn't know what she meant, and I, uh, I said no, and I asked what it meant. And she told me about God and salvation and how I could get saved, and I was saved. But I've, it wasn't until a couple of years ago that I finally benediction as we close, and it's really for all of us, but even to, to these young ones who've been baptized, and many of you have received Christ, maybe young or maybe older, or maybe not yet, but this is what Paul wrote to Timothy. He said, but as for you, continue in what you have learned, and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, the scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. They are able to make us wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And so, go, have a good day in the Lord. You are dismissed.